the thing is, is that if you have a goal, goal, if you have an audacious freaking dream and you break it down and it's like, this is what it's going to take and you don't want to do it, you're not willing to, it doesn't sound fun. Amazing. Like, at least you know. And on your deathbed, you go, yeah, I chose not to go after that. Like that honestly freaking haunts me on that. And I know people talk about their deathbed and I I use it as like the most powerful thing because I never want to have a regret. And I've known a lot of people have said this and it's so freaking true Mm -hmm. is that no one's on their deathbed. Most people on their deathbed regretting something they did. It's usually people on their deathbed regretting something they didn't. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's like, okay, the, the, the option are if you go for something and you fail how do you see that as an amazing thing instead of letting it be detrimental to destroy you and that that's when it comes to perspective right and 2020 has been a chance for people to challenge their perspectives and in 2021 January it's an opportunity for people to say okay what was my perspective last year and what am I going to choose because it is a freaking choice on how you think it is a choice how are you going to choose to have a different perspective welcome to Black Belt Beauty Radio a podcast fueled by a passion to support your journey in developing your most beautiful and optimal performance in life. Each episode is driven with the intention to elevate your mind. When we elevate our mind, we elevate our life. So get ready. It's time to rise. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. Well, not just another episode of Blackwell Beauty Radio, the very first episode of 2021. Happy New Year, people. I could not be more excited to kick off the new year with one of my very favorite persons in life, period, but very favorite persons to wrap out on the podcast with my homegirl, Lisa Bilyeu. For those of you who are new to Lisa and her work, Lisa is the co-founder of Impact Theory and Quest Nutrition, as well as the founder and host of one of my favorite podcasts, Woman of Impact. Her infectious presence exudes infinite amounts of authenticity, confidence, badassery, and strength, which is exactly what we talk about in this episode. I honestly could not think of a more perfect person to launch the new year on the podcast with because every single conversation I have with Lisa, be it publicly or privately, is legitimately high-level empowering, incredibly inspiring, and so much fun. In this epic talk, Lisa and I peel back the layers of developing discipline in order to achieve the characteristics that define a strong woman and the importance of cultivating emotional independence. Lisa shares that her journey was very much a series of conscious choices that came from declaring her values and her vision. From eight years as a housewife to a now multi-dynamic, successful entrepreneur and path leader, Lisa demonstrates a high-level lifestyle that is curated from deep self-awareness and an empowered mindset. Some of the highlights of this episode are how we challenge the viewpoints of failure, strength, sensitivity, uncertainty, wealth, and impact. As always with my girl, Lisa, you get a high-minded and expansive conversation. I couldn't be more proud to bring her incredible mind, heart, and voice back on the show for all of you to take in as you prepare yourselves to launch into that next level version of yourself this year. Lisa's mindset gems in this talk will most definitely help you in that process. So let us know 
that you're listening to this episode by sharing it on your IG stories and tagging both Lisa and I. Our handles are in the show notes. And if you have not already, please give this podcast a five-star rating and review via iTunes. My team and I appreciate the support so, so much. I am so excited to take this podcast to the next level and support all of you with all of my heart in every single conversation that is shared throughout it. So cheers to a kick-ass new year, people. Let's impress ourselves hardcore like never before. Now, enjoy this incredibly empowering conversation with my homegirl, Lisa Bilyeu. Enjoy. It's like so vain of Boom. me, literally. Oh, no. Like I'm, I'm on the podcast that is my favorite podcast. <laughs> How vain. And you better believe I'm going to listen to this one. <laughs> Wait, I hit record. I love you. <laughs> Well, first of all, let me just say, do you know how that, how much that means to me? Like that you really, because, you know, I mean, you are someone, you're my girl. I love you. I respect you. I mean, but there's, when you're, we're all busy, we're all full in life. Your life is full on. So who you really pay attention to, you could love someone, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be tuning into all of their work or whatever, you know, but it means a lot to me that you tune into Black Belt Beauty Radio and value it. It means so much, honestly. No, but that is, that is because you're that good, right? Um, I don't say it to blow smoke up your ass. I literally, like you said, I'm so freaking busy. I don't listen to all my husband's podcasts. Now, obviously I don't listen to your, all of yours. I just yeah, don't yeah. get a chance to. But the truth is, is that when I have a certain amount of time limited, I'm like, how am I going to spend it? As you know, I spent eight freaking years doing something, being a housewife, mm-hmm. being somebody that I didn't want to be. And so for me, I don't want to spend eight years and one minute doing something that doesn't fill me up. And so I honestly don't say that to blow smoke up your ass. I think you are an incredible host. I think that you do a beautiful job. And here I'm just like, you know, gushing about you. But you do such a freaking great job of bringing the best out in people and then also putting your two cents in. And your perspective, the way you explain things is so digestibly high level. And by that, I mean, is that to me, there's a fine line some of my husband's content I literally can't listen to because I don't understand what he's saying like a lot (laughs) and I'm like babe I need layman's terms but I don't want layman's terms where it becomes so simplistic that it doesn't impact me and so you do this gorgeous beautiful balance and you know balance isn't often a word I use but you do do this beautiful balance of being very um intellectually in depth in the conversation but also actually being emotionally in depth and kind of bringing those two things together that allows me to codify what is being said and take it and use it in my own life you know that's my jam and so if I have time whenever I've got a guest on I'm always like please let me please hopefully Roxy's interviewed them because I just want an excuse to like listen to you um but look I really think that all your audience right now is probably agreeing with me because that is what makes you so freaking unique and special so that's why I was kind of joking at the beginning that if I if I ever listen to a podcast yours is one of the first that I go to yours Joe Rogan's and my husband's those are the three um of podcasts that I will listen to on a regular and then um yeah and so the fact that like now I'm on your podcast <laughs> I was just saying yeah. it's like is it inception is it a little like <laughs> um, egotistical I'm not quite sure what this 
is. Well, but, you know, I'm going to listen to it. <laughs> for, okay. A couple things. First of all, I love you and I appreciate every word and, you know, real is real. We love real. And so I, I know it's never a, you know, blowing smoke up my ass and that, and that's why it also means so much more to me. But, um, also for those who aren't aware yet, this is round two with you yeah, and I'm so excited about this. And now we have video, um, you know, and the third thing I wanted to say is, uh, I'm not trying to be lazy, but I can literally echo everything that you just said <laughs> right back to you, girl, because I feel the same way about you and your podcast. I mean, that's why anytime you and I connect, I mean, just in our own, whether it's a phone call or, you know, it's just every, the conversation is that blend of where we're, it's like high level thinking, it's emotional. Um, but I do feel like we're able to communicate even just with each other in a way where we can really absorb and digest, uh, you know, what we are exchanging with each other. So I do want to say that, um, you know, we're recording this, at the very end of this crazy ass year, 2020. Mm -hmm. And I, but this episode is going to air at the very beginning of 2021. And that was so done on purpose. Because when I think about starting the year strong and powerful, and I'm like, well, who, who is that guest? I'm like, it's Lisa, you know, so when you're having them on. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like you, I mean, literally. So, and it, it's a great segue into where I really want to start with you is, um, you know, you are, well, let me actually, let me back this up. So I was going to say you are a strong woman and we're going to go back there because that is absolutely a fact, but I want to tell you something about this morning that happened. So, you know, I have, um, a relationship with my, my future self, my highest self, my mm -hmm. muse. Right. And in a meditation every day, she, she, she offers me this word slash energy to lead my day with. And the, the word today was strong. And yeah. it was so interesting because, you know, I go in my morning walk afterwards and like the word showed up in three different like social media or wherever I was looking and it actually showed up on my walk too. There was like some, um, stones that, that somebody had done art on. And one of them said, um, be strong. And, you know, it's just like the power of a focused aligned mind that it just feels so mystical and lovely, but all that to say, I really do want to talk about being a strong woman, you are without a doubt the ultra representation of a strong woman. And I know that that's not just me saying that as your girl, but that is literally how you are perceived from, I mean, I know I'm not in everybody's mind, but like, there's, it's just undeniable. You exude it. And I would like you to explain like, what, what does a strong woman, woman represent to you? Like, what are the characteristics of a strong woman and in your own life, like what makes you feel strong? Some examples around that. Yeah, God. So because you're such a good friend of mine, this actually has come at a really perfect time because I don't know. Yeah, I think I would have been honest, but it just so happens. Three minutes before we joined this call to do this, I was in tears. Oh. <laughs> now, just to give you an idea, I never cry ever. I've maybe cried this year four times. Mm. Like I'm, I'm, 
And look, I can actually take you back on why I'm like that. Um, I've done a lot of, you know, self-reflection. Why do I think of it as weakness? Because I know it isn't weakness. So why mm-hmm. do I still feel it, even though I know better? And I just, you know, kind of break it down into my childhood and that my mom, when my parents got the ball, also, I would walk into the room and my mom would always wipe her tears if she saw me walk in the room. And I'd always mm-hmm. say to my mom, mom, is everything okay? She's like, of course it is. Why are you asking? As if nothing um, happened. And so I just learn over time that women don't show tears. Mm-hmm. And so the reason why, so I have almost trained myself to not allow myself to be teary. Now I'm in conflict with this. I don't know if that's a good strategy or not. And I'm still in my forties. Um, I'm in my forties and I still don't have an answer because here's the thing. Sometimes it absolutely serves me. Sometimes for me to appear strong and show up strong, I have to tell myself, you better freaking step yourself up. Uh, can I swear on this? I can't remember if I can. Okay, good. I'm Girl. Sure. I know, just making sure. <laughs> like, but literally, I in those moments, I'll be like, don't you be a fucking pussy. Get yeah. your shit together, Lisa. And it's not that I'm judging other people. I need to make that clear. It is just, mm-hmm. I have trained myself on what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And so sometimes giving myself that hard talk is absolutely what I need to show up strong. Mm-hmm. Now there's sometimes where literally five minutes before this call think just so much has been weighing on me. I just had some phone calls with my family. So there's some things going. And so it really has broken my heart. Yeah. And normally if it's just me, right. If it's my digestion, my health, my own mindset, I can fucking kick myself in the mm-hmm. ass. But when it's my family, honestly, I, I literally five minutes ago, I was like, my heart feels broken right now. And I haven't yet found that kicking myself up the ass works when my heart is broken. So in those instances, I've trained myself that to be strong means to let it out. And so for me to be able to show up here and be that person that can really articulate these types of things, I literally said to myself before this, Lisa, you're going to have to let it out. Because if you get on the court and you haven't let it out if you haven't processed it then I'm now coming on almost like a bubbling idiot and I'm not saying that to put myself down like it's because I speak so I can understand not so I can be understood so for me I need to speak out loud so that I can understand what I'm going through so then I can actually vocalize it and come up with a solution so I was like I don't want to come on this podcast and just talk words. I really want it to be impactful and be in real time and authentic. So I said to myself before, you have to let this out so that you can process it so that if she asks you anything that that allows you to be honest in this situation, I now can articulate it clearly. So going back to how I am strong, it all depends on the situation and knowing how to act in that occasion. And that takes time. That takes practice, right? It's like jujitsu where it's like, you, someone can tell you a move, but until you get in the move and you practice it and you practice it and someone comes at you from a different angle, you know, to the right, well, shit, I only practice to the left. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, that, like Bruce Lee, like, you've got to do so much mm-hmm. that no longer you think kick, you just kick. Mm-hmm. And so I'm at the stage where I've been training and been training and been training that when it came down to it a few minutes before this call, I knew what I had to do, how to put my mind right so that I could come on this call and be able to articulate it. So Mm -hmm. it takes 
freaking practice. It takes time. If you want to be strong, you have to look at where you're weak. You have to assess where you're weak and you have to do it with no judgment. Because Mm. if you look at your weakness and then judge yourself, you're never going to improve. You're only going to feel bad about yourself that you're weak in that area. Oh, girl. There's so much there. It's just like, oh, I love you so much. I mean, uh, you know, I was wondering if you would, upon asking you that question, if vulnerability would have come into your answer. And because I know in my life, like I say this all the time, the reason why I am so powerfully strong is because of how soft I am. Hmm. Literally, it's because of my softness that I'm a- because it's that self compassion vulnerability piece that allows me to be pliable, malleable, hmm. and really to be agile, right? And what I love so much, I mean, so much you just said is so powerful, literally. You know, one thing that I do want to tease out there that I think is so, so important. Um, and it's something I wanted to talk to you about almost like in another context, but I got to pull it in it because it's too perfect. But the level of self-honesty mm-hmm. in that moment is really incredible, you know, because it's like this, if you would have just been like, nope, no, nope, nope. Can't cry. Like I just got to go, you know, first of all, you're not being honest with yourself. Like there was an emotion that you were experiencing that was so powerful and to put up a wall and not allow yourself to just like move through the emotion. You didn't become the emotion. You moved through it. Mm. And that was, a. it took a lot of honesty to do that. Whereas like, you know, if you were not doing that, you would have put up resistance and then maybe you wouldn't feel as fucking badass as you are right now in this moment, you know? And, and the piece that I wanted to talk about, um, you know, in a, in a kind of another way, but really uh, geared towards you more is that on one of your posts, you had put, there's a quote by somebody else that says, um, hurt me with the truth, but don't comfort me with a lie. And you mm. were, you were framing it. You gave the example of, of uh, a story with, with Tom in your relationship. Right. And I thought that was so dope and so powerful, but what I wanted to flip that on you because while that is so true in your relationship, it's the same thing, like that relationship with yourself, like, you know, her, be honest with me, like be honest with yourself, even if it's going to hurt, but just don't lie. And so to pull it right back to where we were, the lie would have been, no, not going to let myself feel this. I'm going to, you know what I mean? And I'm just going to pretend and move forward. So, um, I, yeah. Well, the thing with that girl is I tried it. Like I'm, I'm so the person of like what works what's your goal how do you get there what works and so it's not out of like my instinct is to absolutely put the wall up I I did that in my teenage years I remember the very first time where I was like this is this weird my great uncle died and I was like 16 and my entire Greek family I'm Greek so like even though it's great uncle there's just so many people and I look around in the church and it was the very first person in my life that had really passed away that I remember very clearly and I remember looking around and all the women were in tears from you know my mom to my aunts like all these women that I had seen as being super freaking strong everyone broke and I remember in that moment I looked around and I was like who's going to be strong for them 
Like if everyone's breaking, who's going to be strong? And I remember not crying. And I remember telling myself in that moment, don't cry because everyone needs someone strong. Now, what I didn't realize is I was wiring my brain to be that person. So what ended up happening is that's the age of 16 at the age of 26 when now I have a problem with crying and Tom thinks I'm dead inside like he actually used to joke he's like yeah she's dead inside and it was because I wouldn't cry and over time I started to realize he's seeing me as not having emotions but that's not true I just Mm. keep it in then I started to see that I would I my personality was the person that went from zero to a hundred and so then I'm like okay Going back to what serves you, how what serves your goal, and none of that ended up serving me. I was feeling worse and worse by keeping it in. So it's like, okay, if I feel worse and worse, how do I navigate this? And over time, I've just assessed myself. So for instance, I still don't, as much as I can possibly, I don't allow myself to cry in front of Tom if we're having an argument. So mm. if I'm upset over something else, I don't mind. But if me and him are disagreeing mm-hmm. and I feel teary, I still now, and this is very conscious of me. This Mm -hmm. isn't by accident. This isn't because like, I feel ashamed. This is very conscious of me. I walk away. And he used to be like, babe, why are you walking away when you're crying? Like, and I said, look, I understand the power of tears. Mm-hmm. Like I just do. I understand what my husband's going to feel if he sees me in tears. So what's that going to do? He's going to make him feel badly about it. So he may then, let's say he's annoyed with me or upset with me or frustrated with me, or there's an issue in the relationship. And And now I cry and now he feels badly about saying it to me, being honest. And now he either takes it back or makes me feel better. Do you think we've actually resolved the problem in the first place? No, because now we've just been like, oh, well, it's gotten too heated. She's too upset. Let's just like cuddle and make it okay. But that doesn't lead into solving the problem. So I have just now explained to him, babe, I love you so much. But Mm -hmm. when I am teary, I don't want you to apologize Mm -hmm. just to make the relationship in this moment better. It's like short-term satisfaction with long-term satisfaction, right? And I think we've even spoke about this. Short-term satisfaction to me is a bowl of ice cream. Oh man, that that shit tastes good. (laughs) Like, but long-term goals, if I want to live forever or at least yeah. 150, that bowl of ice cream isn't going to do me a service. Mm. So I assess my short-term goals with my long-term goals and then how I get there. So my long-term goal with my husband is to absolutely resolve problems. And if I know the power of tears, I don't want that to skew it. I don't want that to influence the way we handle the discussion. And so what I do is I may get upset and I may say, babe, I just need space. Let me, you know like breathe or go off. And then I come back and I'm way, I call it emotionally sober. So Mm -hmm. I come back emotionally sober so that we can actually talk about the issue at hand. So he can say the truth to me without me being defensive. Cause we all know that freaking happens, right? When you're Mm -hmm. emotional, someone says something to you. It's like, well, why are you getting like this? And then forget it. Now the argument isn't about the argument. It's about the fact that they said this to you and now you're really freaking upset. So I just assessed what serves us, what serves our relationship in the long run. And the truth is crying in an argument with my husband. I haven't seen yet. And people are going to push back and people are going to freaking hate me. Do what serves you. Mm -hmm. But I have not seen it work in my relationship. And so I've just sidelined it. But it's not that I sidelined crying. It's that I assess it, assess how I handle it. Like I did this post and I'm just going to waffle now a bit, but I did this post that is um, a quote, you're too sensitive. And then it's something like, is what people say when they don't want to admit that they've been in the wrong or something. Mm -hmm. Now here's the truth. 
people do throw out you're too sensitive as a way to shut you down, like mm-hmm. invalidate your feelings. A hundred percent. I agree with that. But also sometimes I am too sensitive mm. and I go, what is the reputation I want with the people around me? Do mm. I want Tom to always assume I'm too sensitive and that when I'm not, he still assumes it, right? Because you earn a reputation or do I want to earn a reputation that Lisa isn't sensitive? So if she cries, if she says, hey, you really hurt my feelings, it carries freaking weight, Oh yeah. I mean, Lisa, you're just throwing bombs over here, girl. I'm like, woo. I mean, first of all, so true. And you know, again, there's too much, there's a lot to pull on. Um, one thing I want to say right out the gate is that, you know, again, here is a perfect example of the level of self-honesty, you know, for you to be able to do that introspective work so honestly is really powerful. Now let's talk about the introspective work. I mean, I always say this to you, like you're the queen of strategy to me. Like you, (laughs) you are the queen of strategy, which is such a powerful skill. Like, you know, obviously as a, you know, entrepreneur, but like just in life, you know, just to be able to strategize is really, it's really sexy to me, you know? So I went, you know, uh, uh, to me, I feel like to be a strong strategist and you just exuded this so powerfully, it's like this level of self-awareness that you have is incredible. I want to know how, because it's like a big question when people ask me this, it's a big question, but I know that you're really good with tactics as well. Like where, where has this self-awareness piece been developed in you? Like what were, what can you attribute to this self-awareness? I mean, are there tools? Like, you know, for me, journaling has been a, a big tool, but you know, I don't know for you and, but you have such a strong ability to go in and go, wait, hold on. Is crying good? Like that inquiry is really powerful. So I don't know if you have any, Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't necessarily journal, but I ask myself a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. So I don't make any assumptions. Like honestly, I, I like I mentioned earlier, I spent eight years being a housewife. And again, there's nothing freaking wrong with being a housewife. If that's your dream, you should freaking go for it. It's just I I didn't want to be, and I let my life just happen to me. Um, so I was allowing external forces, my belief system of a traditional Greek woman, like all these things were creating a life that I didn't feel like I was having control over. Now, the truth is I absolutely had control over it. I just didn't realize it. And I don't know if I've already said this to you, but one of my things that have become one of my favorite quotes is the David Foster Wallace quote, where it's this story where you've got the big fish swimming along. And one big fish is swimming. You've got two little other fish swimming in the other direction the big fish goes to the little fish hey fellas how's the water keep swimming little fish turn around to the other little fish and goes what the hell is water and the point being is that sometimes you are surrounded by it that you don't even realize it exists so belief system is water you are sometimes given a belief system through your childhood through what you're taught through what your parents have told you through the movies through your own experiences where you have a bucket of assumptions that you don't challenge. And that was how I lived eight years of my life doing something that wasn't really what I wanted because there were so many assumptions in that. Mm -hmm. And so I just say from now on, shed all assumptions and just ask yourself, what do you want in life? What do you want? What is that goal? So if it's a relationship, my goal is to be married happily, Mm -hmm. not just married because that's like how many people are unhappily married. 
So my goal in my relationship is to be happily married to the day I die. That is a very clear goal. That is not wishy-washy. That is very clear. So now I go, what is a no bullshit way to get there? And then how do I do it? Am I willing to do it? Because that's the thing. We don't have to want, like be willing to do it. So take a skill set, whether it's my, my business. Okay, I want to build impact theory. How am I going to get there? Am I willing to do it? Do I want to be a mother? What does that entail? Am I willing to do it? Like I just shed, so again, I thought I was going to have four kids. And mm. once I started to shed all assumptions of being a traditional wife as a traditional mother, I started to say, okay, what would life look like? Shed all assumptions. What would life look like if I was doing what I love every day? So at the time it was building quest mm-hmm. and being a mother, what does an average Wednesday look like? And so I would go, okay, if I was a full-time, if I was a mother and an entrepreneur, then I would wake up at five. And I just, I literally wrote out a schedule in my mind of, I would be, okay, Tom has said that he doesn't want to wake up between Monday and Friday because he's going to be all in on work, which means if the baby wakes up in the middle of the night, that means that I'm going to get up. Okay. So I love working out. So when would I actually be able to have to work out? Well, what would I do with the baby? Like I, I literally just like break down the realities of what an average freaking Wednesday would look like. And then I go, well, hang on a minute, this thing quest that I'm building that I'm loving, when would I have time to do that? All right. So I wouldn't have time. So maybe I get a nanny. Do I want a nanny to bring up my children? No. And so I literally just keep keep breaking that. Ask myself a question, ask myself a question and then come to a conclusion. And then with that conclusion, then you go, am I willing to? So having a business, being a mother, what is the no bullshit? I would need help. I would need a nanny. No judgment, literally no judgment on anyone for that. But I was like, no, I'd rather not have children for me. It's just what's yeah. right for me. Yeah. I'd rather not have children and have a full-time life of extreme excitement with what I do on my business side than be torn every single day and feel guilty because I know I would. I know myself mm-hmm. well enough mm-hmm. that I'm not at home with the kid, that someone else is bringing up the kid. And then when I'm at home with the kid, I really worry I would be resentful because I love what I fucking do. So that's how I ended up coming to the decision of, yeah, I don't want children. But that was a year of asking myself questions of saying, okay, well, if I don't have kids now, what's the no bullshit in the future? I'm not getting any younger. My ovaries just keep aging. So then I go, okay. (laughs) And I I keep playing the scenario. So I'm like, okay, I've made a decision to not have kids now, but what does that look like in five years? What does that look like in 10 years? What if Tom dies? What if Tom dies in 10 years? So now I'm 50. I don't have the, the light of my life mm-hmm. is no longer with us. And I've decided to not have children. Will I regret it? Like mm. I ask myself those hard questions. And so I go, okay, there's a possibility I would regret it. All right, Lisa. So what would you do differently? Maybe I'd freeze my eggs. Then it gives me an option. Okay. So let's look into freezing your eggs. Once I started looking into freezing your eggs, you have to take injections. You have to do like all these hormone mm-hmm. things. Yep. What do we know about my health? My health is so out of whack. Right. So then I start to go, okay, now you've got a choice. You either keep going, risk your health even more by having all these hormone injections and stuff just to get ovaries for a kid you don't even know you want. Right. So as you can see, like I won't so, keep going down. No, no, no. But that's but it's how a- I unpeel the onion. Like keep peeling, keep peeling. And then I came to the conclusion that I don't want to make a decision now out of fear of regretting it in the future. So having kids. No, it's so good. It's so good. And, and, and so it's like the power of questions, which I love and I use, I implement in my own life. It's literally, 
you know, I, I don't like lazy thinking. I don't like blanket statements. Like I'm always like, what's the root cause? Like literally the same, like I love integrative health because we're looking at the root cause of things. Right. And, you know, I, I feel that one thing that's so powerful to point out about everything that I love the illustration, because I actually do think that there's so much power in the way that you just laid it out. It was very visual to me anyways. Um, but the, the, the piece that's really powerful too, is that your what ifs, they're not operating from, they're not pushing you into a fear-based decision. Mm. That's really important because we know that what if can be a very like fear-based situation. And then, you know, and then you're not really operating from a powerful, aligned, intuitive place. You're operating, uh, what if this goes wrong? Okay. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to start the business. So you're what, you know, one day, um, years ago, I was in an airport with Carrie. I'll never forget this. I was just writing. We're getting ready to board a plane. And these words came to me and it, they're ringing through my mind as you're saying your story, but the, the words were, we cannot judge and learn at the same time. Ooh. <laughs> it's like, it's so true. It's so simple and crispy. I love little crispy things. Like when I download them, you know, like yeah. we cannot judge and learn at the same time. So if you, are, I mean, listen, you are such a growth mindset queen. And when we think about the growth mindset, the growth mindset is doing that as a constant. It is that constant self-inquiry. It's honest. And it's the peeling back the onion, the way that you just beautifully, you know, um, expressed over here. But it's also, if you were to start judging a theory an idea, like you've concluded. That's why when you make it, when you judge, you've like concluded. And if you've concluded, then where are you learning? You're not learning anymore. Right? So I love, I love, and I think it's so important to highlight that in your badass strategic process of like self-inquiry and questions, you are not operating. You're allowing your brain, your imagination, your every, you know, your logic to just allow you, like you go on an adventure, it seems like, mm -hmm. like a cerebral adventure where you can investigate from a place of curiosity and not, you know, some kind of confined, I'm afraid, what if, what if situation. Yeah, go. you know what? It never really hit me like that until you said it, but you're 100% right. And I think it's because I used to. Like mm. I absolutely came from a fear-based place. Mm. And so because of that, I wouldn't ask myself, of the question because I didn't want to know the answers. But what ends up happening? Shit then goes wrong. And then you end up finding yourself in a situation that you're like, oh my God, I didn't even predict this. I didn't even think through it. And I was right. just like, Lisa, what's worse? The fear that you initiate with or mm -hmm. the once you get there, you're like, oh shit, I've been blindsided. And I just go, what's the worst case scenario? And the blindsided to me is way worse than the initial fear. And that all started with Quest. Like my husband, God bless that man. He's so um, like audacious in his goals and dreams that when he came home and he was like, all right, um, me and my business partners, we want to start a protein bar company. Um, oh, he doesn't know anything about protein bars. None of us do. Right. But it was like, yeah, sure. Like, let's just do it. But in that moment, because I'd already spent eight years of my life, and that was kind of the catalyst of me making a change in my life was Quest, but I'd already spent eight years of my life just, again, letting life control me instead of me taking the reins. Mm. And so when, the, when he came home with this, it, I had had enough. And that was when, because I had said to him, I'm so miserable. You're just chasing money. I'm sitting at home waiting. 
you're so unhappy. You're not the man that like I fell in love with. You don't have the joy in your heart anymore. I don't give a shit about money. I don't give a shit about anything. All I want is my husband back. Please go in, quit the, so he had built up a couple of million dollars in shares in this company. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care about the money. Give it back. If you don't cross the finish line, you don't deserve it. In my opinion, we Mm. weren't willing to cross the finish line. So I was like, but I don't care. I just want him. Mm. And so when he then finally came back and was like, all right, look, I just need another 18 months. I had had enough. And I was like, all right, what's the no bullshit of going and starting this business? And because he was like, if we lose, we lose our house. Mm. And that fear would have once upon a time. And I think with a lot of people, people would just shut down and go, nope, not willing to do that. And I wanted to, like, I really, really wanted to be like, nope, not going to do that. And I reminded myself of who I married. And I was like, Lisa, what kind of wife would you be? You married someone ambitious. You knew that you're, you're turned on by it. And so here I am, I'm turned on by it. I freaking love it. That's why I fell in love with part of why I fell in love with it. So I married him. And now that I've got a ring on my finger, I'm going to expect him to act differently. And I was like, no, that, that doesn't feel right. I married someone ambitious. So knowing that I then had to say, all right, the fear of losing my house, the fear of all these things are very real. So I don't want to just shut him down but I have to address this fear. Otherwise I will just shut him down. And so I went in and said, okay, well, what's the worst that can happen? And I know some people say the best that can happen, the worst, but I was like, what's the worst that can happen? You're so fearful of losing your house. You were about to shut him down. Mm -hmm. So, but what is it that you're actually fearful of? Like break it down. Okay. Is it that I won't have a roof over my head and I would actually sleep in the streets? Cause to me, that is the worst case scenario Mm -hmm. if you lose your house. And I said, okay, that's, that's not going to happen. I'm very blessed. I have friends, I have family, mm-hmm. um, I have savings. So mm-hmm. well, at the time we would have lost the house, but I knew I wouldn't end up actually homeless. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, if you know that that's not going to happen, what are you afraid of? Like, what does losing your house lead to? You lost right. your house. Okay. You have to downgrade. But then I go, okay, now I've asked myself, I've got the actual answer. I have to downgrade. I maybe now have to rent, right? Back. We already stayed in a 700 square foot apartment when we first got married. So I know what it's like. I know it's doable. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, so this fear of losing my house is just a fear. The worst case scenario I can live with. So I was like, cool, let's just do it. Yes, fuck it, let's put the house up. But the fear of, I obviously didn't want to lose my house. So that's what then pushed me to learn and get better. And that's when I stepped in and helped Quest build and, you know, build it into a billion dollar company. But it was, that was almost the first moment of really breaking things down and saying, Mm. how do I not let my fear drive me? Um, But I really do shed things and then act in accordance to the goal I'm trying to get to. It's so good. I think it's so powerful the way that you, I mean, you essentially, this is obviously my lingo, like you go toe to toe with fear. (laughs) Like, all right, all right, fear. (laughs) Like, let me, what's the hardest punch that you can smack me with? What does that feel like? What does that look like? Could I get back up from it? Like literally that's how my mind just processed. And it's so badass because you know, you, it's almost like in a way you kind of objectify fear. Like you're putting this big fear that's like, you know, looming over you. It has all this control over you. And you, in that process that you just explained, you're literally putting fear and like you're sitting in a chair and like, you're, you're like, you're, you're battling, you're going toe to toe with it. And I feel like, 
Um, it's such a powerful strategy that I really hope that everyone taking in this talk can absorb. I mean, listen, we, you know, 2020 is, is such an interesting year. I mean, for me, it's been a, a mix of just more amazing than not amazing. I mean, the the things that we've had to deal with as a society and all the challenges, like that's hardcore. And as a collective, you you feel the energy, right? Um, one thing that I highlight, and I know you and I have talked about this, is like, uh, a, a kind of buzzword through this year is uncertainty, uncertainty. Mm. And it's always, it's interesting to me as someone who um, really made friends with uncertainty ye- decades ago, because the way that I express it, and I know that you'll appreciate this is like, I opted out of the matrix from birth, like literally I'm a path oh, yeah. <laughs> Like I didn't even like, I didn't even look down that way. Like it was just like, nope, I'm going this way. And that has definitely provided just, it's decorated my entire life with challenges. Still does, right? Mm. As a path creator. Um, but so it's like, I, I've always felt, I've, I've found a way to be comfortable in uncertainty. And that's mm. almost felt the mo- like, it's almost like the one thing that I'm certain of is that I don't know one thing for sure. And so <laughs> let me like, <laughs> you know, and so literally this is like in my journal in my decades head. ago. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, um, when we, when we, the, to go back to where I was, you know, I obviously uh, there's people who have been the masses have been navigating through tons of uncertainty and the fear that comes with uncertainty. So what you just explained, that process, your strategy of how you take this big looming fear and like put it into this kind of almost like a bite-sized thing. You go, all right, fear, like, give me your best shot. Let's see what it is. And then I'll be real with myself to go, can I handle this? Like, how do I recover? It's so powerful. So Thank sick. you. Yeah, yeah it's it's definitely. And unlike you, though, I only discovered this in adulthood. So it was, you know, I um, I didn't have that strength or way of thinking in my twenties, mm. you know, and so I had to kind of do a lot of realization, and um, I just, yeah, I had so many assumptions built into my life mm-hmm. that I wasn't really taking the reins of my my life. And so the, um, I was always fearful of the uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time though, even though I was fearful of the uncertainty, depending on when it came down to like, well, then you're not going to reach your dream. That mm-hmm. would then force me to lean into it because the thing is, is that if you have a goal, goal, if you have an audacious freaking dream and you break it down and it's like, this is what it's going to take and you don't want to do it. You're not willing to, it doesn't sound fun amazing like at least you know and on your deathbed you go yeah I chose not to go after that like that honestly freaking haunts me on that and I know people talk about their deathbed and I I use it as like the most powerful thing because I never want to have a regret and I've known a lot of people have said this and it's so freaking true Mm -hmm. is that no one's on their deathbed most people on their deathbed regretting something they did it's usually people on their deathbed regretting something they didn't Mm -hmm. and to me it's like okay the 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 options are if you go for something you fail how do you see that as an amazing thing instead of letting it be detrimental to destroy you and that that's when it comes to perspective right and 2020 has been a chance for people to challenge their perspectives and in 2021 January it's an opportunity for 
people to say, okay, what was my perspective last year? And what am I going to choose? Because it is a freaking choice on how you think. It is a choice. How are you going to choose to have a different perspective? Mm. And because we built Quest, like we in 2010, we actually Mm -hmm. started 2008. That was like in the middle of the recession, right? Everyone's like, what the hell are you guys doing? No one's going to pay money for a protein bar. It's a luxury item. It's, you know, it's not a necessity. And we ended up building a billion dollar company. Why? Perspective is everything. If you believe you can, you can. If you believe you can't, you can't. Period. Like, period. If you say, I'm not going to be able to, like, everyone's listening to this in 2021. If you really tell yourself, what is that dream you want to have this year? And can I do it? If you say no, you're you're dead in the water. You may as well just give up on that dream now. But instead of saying no, I ask, what is it going to take to do it? What is it going to take to get there? Lay out the steps. Ask yourself, am I willing to do it? And then if you are, then go forth and prosper, right? Step by step. Um, But that's the problem with January um, New Year's resolutions. It's that no one... People don't think of it as actionable, tangible. How am I going to continue this on a long timeline? Mm. It is like, let's say the weight thing, right? Diets, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to exercise and I'm going to eat well. But what, that's so like up in the air. What right. are you holding onto on those days where you feel shitty and all you want is cake? Like, what are you holding onto? What is that reminder? And use it as a tool, as power powerful because you will just like we can easily slip into 2020 was the shittiest year ever mm-hmm. that's a choice to think like that mm-hmm. and now you can say 2020 brought me to my knees and the amazing thing is now I'm going to show how 2021 I'm getting back up and what does getting back up actually freaking look like year long right what is that end goal what are the steps you're going to do it and every month how are you going to assess if you're making those changes and those steps to it but diet like right i'm going to get healthy well what does that freaking mean you're going to eat chicken and breast and broccoli let me tell you you're going to fail if if that's if that's your like goal of i'm going to eat healthy so all i'm going to do is chicken breast and broccoli and i'm only going to have cake on my birthday it, it it won't work Right, <laughs> it just doesn't work. It's so good. I feel like I'm just on the corner, <laughs> the sidelines cheering you on. Like, oh man, it's so true. It's so powerful. Uh, what a gift to everyone taking this in, especially at the start of the year, because it's so true. You got to go deeper. You got to get more tactical. You go- and you know the word that just was like ringing through my mind, and I really wanted to talk to you about because it's honestly it's. I, this is, I frame it as a winner's best friend. Discipline is a winner's best friend. It really allows structure. So you're not a messy thinker, feeler. And then after it's like, no, this is, this is what I got to do to get to the goal. I would love for you to riff a bit about discipline, why that's important to you. How, how have you developed a strong relationship with this? And because you obviously have it. I mean, discipline is the, the pathway of consistency, mm-hmm. right? They go hand in hand. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, especially at the start of the year, I mean, listen, everyone's like, well, not everybody, but like a lot of people are like, I'm motivated and, and that's wonderful and beautiful. But you and I both know, Lisa, that shit doesn't last like straight up. You just said it like cake on your birthday. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to fail. So what's the backup plan? I, this is, I say this to the women that I coach, like I, 
I don't want you chasing the, the, oh, I'm going to meditate and then I'm going to lift weights. Mm -hmm. I want you to stretch further. I want you to chase discipline, chase Mm -hmm. discipline. And then those, the, the actions that require discipline, like they, they happen, you're consistent, but I would love your badass mindset around discipline and how it shows up in your life and how it supports you in your life. Yeah. That's the thing, right? It supports. If you see discipline as a chore, Mm-hmm. Going back to like, you're never going to freaking succeed. You have to look at it of why it's going to be the best thing that's ever happened to you and why it serves you, not serves other people, not serves your friends, your kids, your husband, why it serves you. Because if you tell yourself why you're doing it, now you have going back to what are you going to hold on to in those freaking moments of weakness, of not feeling disciplined? What are you going to hold on to? Just saying, well, I told myself I'd be disciplined isn't enough. Just being motivated by listening to let's hopefully people get motivated listen to this podcast like how you guys I wish that I could say something that could motivate you forever it won't because when you are by yourself your feelings are real the the how the negative thoughts are going to come in how shitty you are my god I can't believe I told myself I would do this and I didn't like all of that is going to come for you whether you want it or not so now if we can all just universally agree it's going to come for you. Now I go, how do I eliminate it? So think about, oh God, this is a terrible example, but it's the first thing that came to my head. Think about a car, right? It's like, look, you put bumpers in a car, you put an airbag in just in case you crash. You like, you have these, um, backup things in case, because you know, the reality is if you get in the car, the chances are you could crash. So I just go, if I know me, Lisa, the chances are you're going to feel shitty about yourself. Lisa, the chances are you're going to have a negative voice. Lisa, the chances are, right? So I've, with no ego, just like you can say, yeah, I put an airbag in my car. There's no emotion around it. I do the same with my life. And so I go, what are my personal airbags? Ah, that's pretty good. I was like, that's not too shabby. So like, (laughs) so what are your personal airbags? And so for me, perfect example, me and my husband used to argue over just dumb shit when we first got together, right? And it was like, and we were, he was working so much. And so I barely saw him. And so on date night, we would get together. And by the end of it, it's like, we're just fucking arguing about, and we would look back and go, I can't believe we've waited a month for date night. And now we just spent the entire day annoyed with each other, arguing over dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And so we're like, we don't want that. What's our goal? Our goal is to be able to have a wonderful um, day where we can just hang out, just us to enjoy it and not argue. Okay. So how do we overcome that? If we both have a joint goal in mind, what are the things we know? Okay. Once one of us gets like our little, like, what is the, the phrase, like a little, like our backup, like it ends up, you kind of end up going back and forth and one little bicker ends up to be this big yeah. argument. Mm-hmm. So we said, what are our, what, are, what is the airbags? And so Tom said, all right, babe, one thing he had noticed is that once he gets annoyed, he will keep going. And he's like, even if you like, you've maybe apologized or he's like, I, I would just stay annoyed. So what we ended up doing as a strategy, and we decided this going back to emotionally sober, you have to come up with your plan when you were not feeling the, the shitty thing that could happen. So when we were emotionally sober, when we weren't in an argument, we said, all right, babe, what, what are we going to do? How can we overcome this? He's like, well, if you wrote me a letter, or he's like, oh, I'll write myself a letter and you can read it to me to snap out of this temporary emotional, you know, thing that I'm in. So he wrote himself a letter and he wrote, dear me, this is me. I know that you're probably pissed off right now, but you know yourself better. And so he writes this whole thing. He gives it to me and he goes, babe, I give you a hundred percent permission to read this to me. The very next time we get into a 
little argument and we start bickering and it starts to derail. Now, what we've done is we've put in a safety there, right? We've put mm-hmm. in that airbag. It, we're not saying, oh, we're, no, we're never going to crash. No, no, we know we're going to crash. So when we do, what are the things we're going to put in place? And what ended up happening was the very first time we had the next argument, I pulled out my phone. It was so freaking awkward because you can imagine I'm just like, he's freaking <laughs> pissed off with me. I'm pissed off with him. And now I have to be nice and I have to read this bloody letter. <laughs> but hey, we made a promise. So I pull out and I'm like, hey, me, it's me. And I think I got through the first sentence and we both just pissed ourselves laughing so much (laughs) that we were like, all right, yeah, this worked. And I never had to read him the letter again. But then it was like, okay, but what about when you're out? Maybe sometimes you don't have this bandwidth to be able to be able to, you know, go through this. So I got these little chips and they said love on it. And I gave him one and I gave myself one. And we said, what do these chips that say love mean? Like, let's give these an actual meaning. And so we wrote down, it means that no matter what we're feeling right now, I need you to know you are my number one and I love you with every ounce of my being. So we go out to a restaurant. I've got one in my bag. He starts to get annoyed with me. I pull it out my purse. I hand it over to him. He kisses me and we're all good. Like those are my airbags. Ladies, I am so excited to let you know that Queendom, Black Belt Beauty's exclusive membership community for women only, has officially opened her doors and is welcoming new members. Queendom is an exclusive community of high-minded, empowering, supportive, badass women who are all on a mission to live from their fullest potential in life. This empowered space is monitored by me personally to ensure that it is non-toxic, non-competing, and an inspiring, energetic environment. What this membership includes is one monthly live Zoom call with me, where I take you on a deep dive and a specific focus for the month. So think topics like self-love, self-confidence, and vitality. These topics are vital to living from your fullest potential in life. So these talks are going to support you to get more clarity on them and help you to develop and strengthen your relationship with them in your life. You get one monthly challenge that is specific to the focus for the month for stronger development and progress in that area. You get a monthly workbook with a summary of that topic and journal prompts around the subject. You get a variety of intentional meditations that I create to help you get rooted in specific areas of yourself and your life. You get exclusive Black Boat Beauty Radio podcast guest content for Queendom members only. And ladies... I love to have fun, so you can expect to have a lot of it in Queendom. There will be several pop-up virtual events, including more live coaching sessions with me, beauty sessions, training sessions, cooking hangs, master classes and Q&As, all with high-level guest experts. You also get my VIP high-performance vault, so think my top tools that I rely on to feel my best, to look my best, and to perform my best in life. Above all, you get community and accountability support from the incredible members of Queendom who are on aligned missions to live from their fullest potential in life. You know, one of my favorite quotes that sums up my aim with Queendom is this one by Reid Hoffman. No matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you will always lose out to a team. You guys, I want you all to be winning in your life from within and out. And I'm a firm believer that teamwork truly does make the dream work. So I've designed Queendom to be exactly that, 
a team of women who are supporting the best in each other to actualize their dreams into life. So the cost for all of this is just $40 a month. And that price is exclusive to this period of enrollment only. For those who purchase a full year of membership upfront, you get one month of membership for free. Investing in this membership is investing in yourself. So if you're ready to join Queendom, go to blackbeltbeauty.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes. Ladies, let's seek the fight together in 2021 as a badass team of empowered queens. Membership has its privileges. I can't wait to see you and support you in the queendom. One of the things I wanted to talk about, um, first of all, this is some high level shit right here. Like, but, but, but it's high level shit. Like meaning it's high level communication, high level maturity, um, high level emotional discipline. What I want to say as well, though, is because when you say high level, ooh, is that attainable? That's a discipline, sorry. No, 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 no. It all makes so much sense because it is a form of discipline. You're disciplining your emotion. That's something I talk about all the time, you know, emotional fluidity, emotional discipline. You, listen, as a, that's a through line already. Like as a strategist in all your inquiry, like you're disciplining your emotions to not be involved with your strategic process. And that's where a lot of people get tripped up. The emotions, whether it's fear or the, th- you know, starts to come in mm-hmm. and that inhibits your ability to actually keep digging deeper and deeper to get to the truth or the actual, whatever it is, the feeling for you to be like, that's it. I'm moving forward with this. Right. But what I wanted to say is when I say this is high level shit, I also want to make sure that it's understood that while it's high level, it's not unattainable and even I don't even need to explain it. You just did. You literally just laid out tactical steps that provide this high-level communication, this high-level teamwork between you and Tom. So that's dope. But the other string that I want to pull on that I wanted to talk to you about, and I think is so powerful, is this emotional independence piece. I know in my own life, that is one of the MVPs that make me the woman that I am. You know, it's my, I don't rely on you to validate me, to make me feel good. I love it. Listen, with the way we started the podcast, all the love that you gave, like, (laughs) girl, like, I love it. I'm like, it's like melting me. So I'm not saying there isn't a place for it or that it's not important, but I am saying that, you know, I believe that I cultivate that. Like I, I've, I've. I deserve that, you know, and, and, and that's not like, I just deserve it. It's like, I believe this to be true about me and I provide that truth and I provide the proof, the evidence and how I show up in my life. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so when I say, when I talk about, um, self-validation and really like loving myself, like when I speak about this out out loud and to the public, like, it's not like behind the scenes, I'm over here just like feeling shitty about myself and like, no, no. I'm over here, like rocking myself through my life, you know, mm-hmm. as an underdog is what I feel. And that's what keeps me fucking hungry, like underdog forever, no matter what happens. Right. And I feel with you and Tom, like you do such a great job at, you know, doing all this high level companion teamwork action to keep your relationship thriving 
in addition to making sure, and it's almost like a tool that supports that, but you do, you both do work to keep yourself so emotionally independent. And I would love for you to riff off that too, because like just how that shows up for you in your life and why that's so important, obviously for your relationship, but really just for you moving through your life. Yeah, God, that's so it's been a journey for me. So I didn't actually realize I was being emotionally dependent until um, probably halfway through like the eight years. I'm trying to like, it kind of all has compressed. But the time where I was at home and Tom was out working and making money or trying to make money so that we can make movies, that was kind of our plan. Oh, mm-hmm. stay at home. I'll, I'll take care of everything else. You go, you earn the money, you come back. We'll then make movies together. That was the plan. But that's how I ended up slipping into the eight years of being a housewife. So I was at home. And initially the first year I was like, I was driven. I knew why I was doing it. I could find pride in it. And over time I started to realize as the years were going by, Tom was, I was relying more and more on Tom to come home and not even validate me, but bring life to my life. You know, the biggest thing that I had was I either walked to the grocery store and saw how many bags I could carry back because I couldn't actually drive because of social security because of my visa. And so that was the highlight of my day. How many bags can I carry from mouths back to the house? Mm. Or I'd watch E! News and hear about, you know, gossip celebrities. And so Tom would come home and I'd be like, babe, how's your day? Now, because he ended up getting into a pattern of just trying to chase money, this was before Quest, he was miserable, right? Mm. Like, as we all know, like, yeah, how many people have to um, say it for it to like actually sink in? Chasing money will not bring you satisfaction. Mm. And so he would come home not wanting to talk. Literally, don't ask me about my day. Mm. And if he was in a bad mood and he said something in a weird way, and then I started to feel shitty about myself, right? Or like, I get all dressed up and feel really good about myself. I'm, like, I'm going to surprise him. He comes home and he's a bad mood. He doesn't say anything. So now I feel bad about myself and like, oh, do I not look good? Mm. And I started to realize how my emotional stability was absolutely relying on him. Mm. And I remember thinking, this is kind of dangerous. Mm. And over time, as I started, as Tom came home, was like, let's start Quest. I was so fearful of losing the house that I jumped in with both feet. I started to face all the things I wasn't good at, but I was just trying to help Quest, right? Like, how do I ship bars to Europe? How do I do this? And being thrown into the deep end, I didn't have the luxury of um, like really assessing the fears or really kind of... um, like allowing them to stop me. And so all the emotion, the instability of my emotions of, I don't know what I'm doing. Oh my God. Like I didn't have the luxury to listen to it and let it take over. So that was actually great news. Um, And so I realized that I had to take ownership over it. I had to not allow, in both ways, right? I can't allow him to influence me to pick me up if I'm feeling down. But also, I cannot allow him to influence me if he's having a shitty day and I'm having a good day. Mm. Like, it's super freaking dangerous on either. So owning my own emotional stability came quite early where I was like, okay, this is on me. I have to do it. Um, And going back to the validation thing, um, it is so true. And it's never just one and done. You don't just think like, oh, like I'm not going to let anyone, you know, invalidate me. That's all on me. And now I've got it. Um, So it is always a work in progress. It is always a, you know, am I relying on someone else to give me that emotional, you know, uplift um, or am I doing it myself? And um, 
by the time this comes out, I think I would have made the announcement. But as you know, I got a book deal. Mm-hmm. And in that book deal, literally, there's like a week where you just wait for publishers to come to you to tell you how much they're willing to give you a contract for. Mm. And this was a few weeks ago. And in that moment, before it actually happened, I said to myself, there's a danger here on both sides of the spectrum. There's a danger that, you know, you get like seven to 10 publishers come and they bid on you basically. And it's Mm. like, imagine you go to a house, but you don't know how much the house is for sale. Mm. And so you're just like blindly bidding, right? You're just putting out a number. So with the book, I said to myself, all right, Lisa, you've spent the last 20 years talking about not making yourself being validated by other people not allowing external things whether people don't watch your video or do watch your video if they like it or they don't like it mm-hmm. you cannot allow that to infiltrate how you feel and so in the, because I practice that right wax on yeah. wax off wax on wax <laughs> off when it came to it before the bids came in I literally was like all right this is the moment where you can allow it to either validate you or invalidate you. Because if some, if everyone comes in low, I'm like, fuck, clearly I'm not worth much. Mm. If everyone comes in high, I don't want to think I'm the shit mm-hmm. because that's also dangerous. Totally. So I literally, in that moment, I had to do like this brief, big breath and I was like all right Lisa what are you going to value yourself on this book like it's it can't be the money right it can't be how much they offer you or the contract so where are you going to feel value in this book and so I just said it's going to be the result right I even said to my publisher I was like if this becomes a New York Times bestseller and I don't change people's lives I will see that as a failure just to be fucking clear I will see that as a failure and if this isn't a New York Times best-selling book, I would also see that as a failure. So like, I've, but it's a, it's a like award. So even with what I'm saying, there's nuances in the contradiction of what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. I recognize that. And I don't beat myself up for the contradiction. I just say, how am I going to feel if this happens? How am I going to feel if this happens? And how do you, Lisa, as an entity that knows... your internal value how do you make sure everything external doesn't influence so going back to like I really want to be a New York Times bestseller but either way I can't let that dictate how I feel I really want a big sum a big deal but either way I can't let that dictate how I feel but how do you how do it's so good how do you how do you assure yourself that you won't okay yeah and so that so with the book is a perfect example yeah and okay your value right now, you're leaving it to a dollar sign. Mm-hmm. I, I know better than to ever allow my value within myself to be associated with a dollar sign. So if I know that's true, but I know as humans, as humans, we all want to be liked, we all want to be loved, and we all want to feel so worthy that they're going to throw on so many zeros that <laughs> like my <laughs> ego is just too big, right? Like I joke about it, but I recognize the truth of human Right. So so then I go, if that's the truth, and I know that I'm going to feel probably these ways, how do I... How do I take away my value from that and put my value on something else? So that's when I said, why am I writing this book? It really is to impact people. Otherwise, why the hell am I going to spend a year of my life Mm -hmm. doing it? Like that's a year of my life I'm never going to get back. So what am I going to hold to? Is it the money? Is it the sales or is it the impact it's had? Mm. And so while I'm not going to shy away from the fact that egotistically, I absolutely want a title of being the New York Times bestseller. That's that's freaking awesome. 
but I'm not going to allow myself to hold value if I do or don't get there. But I will absolutely put pressure on myself and hold my value to whether I bring um, impact to people. Because you still have to do that, right? Because if I just um, disregard my value to anything I do, then how do you know if you're actually moving towards building your value up? Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. And I swear you're literally just like, you're segueing. We're so aligned. I don't know a better way to say it because there's something I wanted to talk to you about and it's like the perfect lead into that. So, you know, because what, what, how my brain registers it is, um, and I think about my, you know, in the past, like within my makeup career, I can draw parallels. So, you know, for me, like I know that I can sit here and have do my very, very best, which is the only way I'm ever showing up to do anything really, right? Personal standards, which is what I want to talk to you about. I can sit here, set everything up to have the most epic conversation with you, girl, air the episode. I'm just using this as an example. And I don't know after that, what will take place. Like if it's a home run or if it's like, who knows, it's not within my control, right? Mm-hmm. It's not totally in your control to, you know, get the New York times bestseller. What is in your control. And this is how I received it. And how I also relate to it in my life is like how you show up to do your work every single day on the way to the goal. And mm-hmm. I find comfort. So like in the makeup career in the past, like I'm not always getting the job, but you know what I know to be true about me is every single time I step to a job, I am not, I'm not even on time. I'm early. Everything is crispy, clean, ready to go. I'm ready conceptually. Like I'm so prepared. Like I am prepared. I'm professional. Like, right. And so I rest. I, that's where I place my value in my, how I show up and do my performance. And I feel like that's what you just perfectly said. It's like, you know, it's that because when you when you say like it's the impact, but the process for you to create this beautiful book that's going to be a New York Times bestseller and create that impact is literally how you're showing up every day and investing your everything to see that through. Dude, that's so freaking strong and 100%. And one of my favorite quotes of all time is a Steve Martin quote. And it's like, be so good they can't ignore you. And the truth is, is I don't allow myself to have um, an emotion attached to it. So for instance, if the book doesn't become a New York Times bestseller, I wasn't so good. People ignored me. And so I go, cool. How do I learn from that? How do I grow from that? How do I do better if I write a next book? So I, while I want and I have this goal... If I don't achieve it, I don't beat myself up, but I do look at it in reality and say, okay, you weren't what you needed to be. Um, now, if I, what if I'd showed up to be my absolute best? Like I put my heart and freaking soul into the book and it still doesn't become a New York Times bestseller. I won't let that dent my ego, but I'll still say you did everything you could. But mm-hmm. now what didn't you do? Mm-hmm. How can you get better? What is the skill that you missed in order to get this to that? or like create impact. Like, okay, so let's say I sold a hundred copies and in those hundred, not one person changed their life. That's a failure on me. To ignore that that's a failure mm. would be a disservice to my own personal growth. Like, where do I want to be in five years? I, If I really want to be the New York Times bestseller and that's where I want to put my entire life and my energy and I write a book and it's not, 
amazing. Now I can learn. Now I can look and go, I wasn't so good. People ignored me. What am I going to change to get better? But it's the second you attach your value. And if it didn't, then you're crushed. Mm -hmm. Then you don't, you see yourself as a failure. Like all of this starts coming into effect. And that's where then it holds people back from progressing. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's super nuanced, but it is all coming to the value you put on things. Um, and the value you put on yourself. So I wouldn't think of myself as being, um, what's the word? Oh, I think I would actually. I was like, I wouldn't see myself as a failure, but it's like I would. But I don't say it as an insult to myself. I I would, in fact, I would say, Lisa, you failed. You're not a failure. In fact, that's mm -hmm. exactly what I would say. And you just saw in real time how I corrected myself mm -hmm. because words matter. Mm -hmm. So I even think about what word did I just use? Oh, actually, that doesn't compute. That doesn't empower me. That doesn't make me feel good about myself. So when I think about it, I do correct myself. And so, yes, I failed. doesn't make me a failure. What makes me a failure is if I stay on the floor. Yeah. But if I can learn from it, right, if I can pick myself back up, if I can get freaking better and I can see that, like exactly what you said, I freaking showed up to the best of my ability of where I am now in my life. I showed up in every way I can. So now if it fails, I go, okay, what skills am I missing? What have I done wrong? How do I improve so that the next time I do it, I can be where I want it to be? Um but people just, too, they just beat themselves up, right? And it's like, if you can no. just use that as a freaking driving force without detriment. And like, I know I keep saying this, but when I think about my life, that's what it all kept coming back to. I stopped because I didn't want to feel badly about myself. Mm. I didn't take chances because I didn't want to feel badly about myself. And yeah. in doing that, I felt worse. Right. I mean, because as you're saying all this, I'm like, there's so much freedom in this. Like, do you give yourself such a fucking break of a, I'm not saying it's easy. I would never take away the credit, you know? No, it's mm -hmm. hard to do this. And that's beautiful. Like we appreciate hard, right? Because hard is what the tension is what grows us, but it, it does offer just an emotional break that, you know, because the, the, what, what opposes this is the person who it does take it personal and, and then doesn't grow and like that weight and then the guilt and the shame and the setbacks. And like, that is just heavy. And you're like, nah, I'm good with I've that. Been there, girl. Yeah. That's the thing because I've been there. Yeah. I remember what it was like to feel so shitty about yourself, to not think that you were good at anything, to have, to want to protect your ego so badly because you were so, I was so fragile. Yeah. I was teased as a kid, you know, I, you know, I had the, like the big mm -hmm. freaking wraparound head brace. I had the unibrow, I had the big fizzy hair. And so like, I had this really long Greek name that had more syllables than a medical device. I mean, it was like, <laughs> like, I just like had so many things stacked oh, against me. So and, <laughs> and so I know what it feels like. And that's why I can say with utter conviction mm -hmm. that it wasn't a way for me to live. And so I knew what it, I protected my ego. I didn't want anyone to challenge me because that's all I had. And then I realized that was my biggest kryptonite. Yeah. It yeah. was oh. holding me back, right? It was taking my superpower away instead of saying, shit, how can I use my superpower? And it put going to perspective. I started to say to myself, okay, what if my superpower is the person that always gets back up, right? Instead of I'm the person that fails or I'm the person that falls on the floor, 
I'm the person that gets back up. That's my freaking superpower. So now imagine I keep telling myself every morning, I'm my superpower is getting back up. When I fall, what do you think I say to myself? You're the superhero, Lisa. You can get back up, right? And and I even do my hands. Like you can tell every time I try to embody something, I do this with my arms because I found that it works. Mm. And so going to how do you self-assess? How do you do the thing? Using the word superpower, right? Like you see the superheroes behind me. I use it because it makes me feel a certain way and I'm not saying other people should use that word other people may feel stupid using that word so right you feel stupid and doesn't work if you don't use it but what right. word does right badass I'm like the female rocky I I'm gonna like whatever that freaking phrase is that you have to use and repeat your, to yourself over and over use it but use it and so going it's so good <laughs> No, it's so good. I say this often and you're just like, oh, you're, uh, there's so much energy. I say this, you know, as a writer my whole life, I'm like, words are an experience. Yeah. They are. And they're, they're giving you an experience. They're giving whoever's taking them in an experience. So understand that. And I love the piece about the failure, you know, in my team, I purposely, if something went wrong or I came up short, I purposely say I failed. Mm-hmm. And I, and, and, and the reason why is because I'm okay with that. Like I, do I, do I see myself as a failure? Do, absolutely not. I understand in this game of success, failure is a part of it. Like to fail at something, to come up short, to not hit the mark. So for me, there's so much power, like going back to your, you know, concept of like really taking fear and like boiling it down and going, all right, fear, give me your best shot. You know, if I'm comfortable with the word fail, then, you know, I understand that when these moments happen, you know, I'm not going to be so emotional. I'm always going to strive to be better because that's just the nature of the fucking beast right here, you know, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, but it's that, yeah, the, man, there's so much with you. Oh man. I don't, I'm like, I feel like you, <laughs> I, just, I just, I love you. <laughs> okay. Okay. I love you so much. You and I literally, it's like a time warp. <laughs> it really is. Honestly, we could, I like, yeah. And even with what you're saying, I was like, oh yeah, we can riff off. <laughs> okay. I'm going to reel us in. Oh God. And it won't be the last. We have so many more talks to do and just, I love you, Lisa. Um, okay. There's uh, two things I'd like to do to wrap out of a conversation before I even go there though. I would love to ask you, is there something that you haven't spoke about in this conversation that you wish that more people would ask you about or that you want to live in this epic conversation? And no worries if not. Touch yeah, on no, not really. It really comes down to what are people struggling with? And, you know, for me, it's always just telling my experience and what I've had to do. Um, it doesn't mean that you should use exactly what I say if if it doesn't work for you, but my message actually, like the whole foundation of it is what works for you? What are you trying to get to and how do you get there? And so I think it becomes a way of thinking and, you know, just to kind of really put a pinpoint on the words you use, like that was one thing. I didn't realize how many negative words I was saying to myself, you know, I can't do this, you know, so now I just put the word yet on the end. I can't do this yet. Um, or I say, I choose not to. So even with language, right? Like a piano, for some reason, the piano is always a thing that I bring up, like, because I think I always wanted to learn the piano. And I'm just like, no, I choose not to learn to play the piano instead of, I can't play the piano. Because what am I saying to myself? If I say I can't, it means I'm incompetent. 
At least that's mm-hmm. how I perceive it. Yeah. If I say I choose not to, it means I've looked at the situation. I've looked at how much time and effort and energy it would take me to learn. And I've decided not to to make that part of my life. So I'm telling myself, no, Lisa, you have the power. You've chosen not to play the piano. And so little things like that, if you think that I say that about something as, you know, sidelined as the piano, you can imagine how much I focus on the words that I use in my everyday life when it comes to my business, when it comes to my relationship with my husband. Um, You know, like we are very, words matter. Mm -hmm. Words matter. And so like, even just like the other day, which I'll I'll kind of throw this in, Tom and I had this whole discussion and um, he said something in the team meeting or something. And I went to him afterwards and I was like, look, I really feel like you try to invalidate my point when I'd said this. And he turned to me and he's like, but babe, remember, no one can invalidate you except you. And so A, we have an open communication that he can say that to me without me flipping my shit. So true. And in that moment, I stopped and I looked at him and I took a deep breath and I was like, process the words he just used. Mm. No one can invalidate you. And I was, so I turned to him and I was like, you're absolutely right. You can't invalidate me. But I felt like what you had said was trying to invalidate that. And it was like, it's so freaking nuanced. But once I was able to break it down, it just changed the way we were having the conversation. And so he knew I wasn't almost blaming him. I took full ownership over it, but we still addressed the words that we used in that discussion. And yeah. so then it's like, well, when you use this, I feel like this. And then it's like, well, oh, but when I say this, I mean this. Um, words so freaking matter. <laughs> Boom. That's <laughs> like, words freaking matter. I love you. Oh, and you have dropped so many powerful ones in this talk. I'm I'm so grateful. Okay. Last couple bits um, in this talk. So if you had a magic wand and you could give the masses a, a positive habit that would have a massive ripple effect in their life, what would that habit be and why? Um, a positive habit. To be honest, I don't know if this is the answer, but this is the thing that changed my life looking at exactly how I feel with no judgment. Like if people can adopt that as a behavior, Mm -hmm. it really has allowed me to, when you say I'm queen of strategy, the difference I think is I just don't let emotion get in my way. So that is the difference. Um, So yeah, I think that's. Yeah. No, no, no. It's it's so powerful. It's like, it's so powerful. I think that that, I mean, Mm -hmm. how many people would benefit this world if they were less judgmental on themselves in that kind of scenario. It's huge because judgment is just so easy on yourself, on others, period. So that's really good. Magic wand. Okay, everybody. All right. So the last bit are my rapid words. And so I'm going to share some words rapidly to you and you do not need to be rapid to give me a one word back. It's just whatever comes top of mind and top of heart when you hear these words, what they mean to you. Okay. First word is games, by the way. I I know. need like a buzzer. <laughs> oh, no, it's so funny when I, you know, when I'm talking to athletes, like I feel the competitive. I'm like, oh, here we go. Like competition. Like it's so funny. Like, hang on, um, let me get into my position. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> like put my head down. So, oh, I did. No, here yeah. we go. Okay. First word love. Tom. <laughs> See how I'm like spitting it out? It's like I need a timer. I beat those athletes. <laughs> Carrie, I'm coming for you, girl. 
My cheeks are burning. Oh, oh my goodness. I love it so much. Okay. <laughs> You're so badass. Okay. Oh next word is fear. Oh, overcome. You- <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, do I get another answer? Girl, you can go off like riff. Uh, why overcome? Like elaborate if you would like to, or keep it simple. Whatever you want, whatever yeah, feels. Uh, or like not an option. It's not actually true because fear is always there. So yeah, yeah overcome, overcome. I love it. Curiosity. <laughs> hmm. Forever. Mm. Like man, let me tell you, that is exactly what keeps me going. Like curious on this. Like we, we had that as kids. Mm-hmm. And we lose it. Like, how do we start being curious again? I think it's everything. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's so incredible to see you developing your art skills. Like, you are such yeah. a badass artist. Like, the other day you posted the cat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's so sick, Lisa. I mean, oh. it's, like, really impressive, you know? And I feel, you know, as an artist, different medium, but just, you know, creativity, like that curiosity fuels creativity. Not to mention, I feel like it's the fountain of youth mm-hmm. because when we, when we, when we restrict our curiosity, it's like we're closed and closed. Like I, like immediately as a beauty expert, I'm just thinking wrinkles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's like you're tight, you know, you're clenched. It's like, uh, curiosity keeps you open. Yeah. To keep discovering and like, just like, hmm, what's that like? Hmm, what's that like? Yeah. So good. Um, okay, next word is passion. Mm. I was gonna say overrated. I don't know why that word came in mind. That's interesting. Mm. Oh, I do know why I thought that. Ah, huh? I was like, why did that come to mind? I think we're putting so much focus on it that now people like honestly, I'm finding people stressing out, they don't know what their passion is. And mm. Because they don't know what their passion is, they're stressed out. And so it's become like, because everyone's like, well, what's your passion? What's your passion? So I'm always very cautious about certain things on how they end up spilling over to the other side. So it's like, well, no, like what I do on a daily basis absolutely fuels my passion. And that's important. But I worry that if I, that's only what I speak about, people that don't have passion start feeling badly about themselves. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So that's why I think I, said overrated no it's really good though and I I I agree I think it's like it's it's sometimes it's like that over you know what it is it's um it's almost like the fish the 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 quote that you said about the fish Mm -hmm. what's the water because sometimes people don't realize that their passion is literally like it's so nuanced it's the things the small things that happen in the day that that light them up but because you're just like thinking passion has to be this big thing. That's like in your face.com. I don't know what that is. Right. But like, for example, my passion, one of my passions is communicating. It's storytelling. Mm. Now, how did I know that? Like, listen, when I was a kid, oh, funny story, just like, like, I literally got in trouble talking in school to the point where my mom had to come sit in my class one day. I was so embarrassed, but whatever, because I would talk in school. I would communicate. Whoever that teacher is now, fuck off, because I have a podcast. So I made, you know, my career and life out of it. You know what I'm oh, saying? Yeah, but like, <laughs> but I'm saying like, it, it could be so easy to overlook the things that you love that light you up that are the passion because you're like, thinking about this whole, like, it's my passion. So anyways, just expanding yeah. your beautiful thought. But, but also let's just keep going on passion for a second. Yeah. Um, people think that they should automatically have it. 
But the truth is, as kids, we experiment. I went to a karate class when I was a kid. I right, like I went to an art class. Like we try things as kids, and then we're like, no, nah, I don't like that. No, nah, I don't like that. Oh, what is this? Oh, maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll go again. And then it starts to build. But as adults, we don't give ourselves that luxury. We just think, well, shit. What is my passion? If I'm not passionate about anything, then what am I going to do with my life? They've missed the point. Go out, try things. Try scuba diving. Try drawing with a pencil. Get a paintbrush. Take a freaking dance lesson. You're not going to know what that passion is until you've tried things. You've seen a little spark and you're like, oh, well, what's that then? Maybe I'll try it again. And that's when you start to see, is this something that I can become passionate about? Um, and so that's why I think also it's overrated because people start feeling guilty about it. If they don't have it, they think they don't, they don't. They were born with it. And if they don't have it, then, oh, my God, my whole life, I'm not going to be passionate about anything. And everyone's always talking about passion. So what am I going to do with my life? That's so good. <laughs> that's, some serious, that's some serious thought leadership right there, man. Oh, I love you. Okay. Keep it moving. So good. Courage. Ah, oh, lion. Yeah. <laughs> Just like. I, my girls when I hear lion it's like me my girls yeah exactly oh, the, so the wolf good. pack yeah it's right. <laughs> I love it um challenge oh bring it on <laughs> um and again all about perspective I used to run away from challenge and I realized it made me more fearful so how do you change what language can you use so that when you're faced with it because you will be faced with it when you're faced with it you don't run away. And so by telling myself, yeah, baby, bring it on. It, um, it makes me not fear it when it comes. So good. So true. Two more words. Um, one of my favorites actually resilience. Oh, Roxy. Oh, <laughs> I love you. I Boom. felt that. I felt that. <laughs> It's so good. Uh, thank but it's you. But also, I mean, you know we're so aligned, right? Because like, Dude. I even have here, this is like one of my favorite hats I had made. And it says, and I'm, unbreakable. Unbreakable, yes, so baby. Good. Oh, man. It's so good. I feel like I need one of those. It's really Yeah, good. I literally yeah. had to made it one of those like hat stitch stores. I love it. Of course you Because I like to remind beast. myself, I'm unbreakable. And I'm a beast. beast. I've got sexy over here. That's my girl. So yeah, I have like eight of them and they all represent different parts of my personality. That's so good. Yeah. Well, again, words are an experience and mm -hmm. you have them put around you as like the, to fortify these energies about you. I fucking love it. Yeah. Mm. Okay. My love, final word. Also one of my favorites, excellence. Mm. I, the funny thing is I was going to say unachievable. That's mm. interesting. Like I strive for, ex or maybe it's just more perfection. I strive for excellence, but not perfection. Mm -hmm. So, um, because also I think, and it's actually interesting. How do you perceive the word excellence? Do you perceive it as perfection? So for me, excellence is a process mm. and it's not, there's not an end goal. It's more of the process of how you are moving, how I'm moving through my life. Like when I said, I, the only way I want to show up is like my hundred game, mm. you know, and that from, and, and, and I'm very honest with myself, like, did you give it your hundred? You know what I mean? And like, so in that hundred is this 
excellence. And so, you know, I wouldn't say that it's mastery and I certainly wouldn't say that it's perfection. I would just say it's me firing on all cylinders to the best of my ability with who I am now, with what I know how uh, in my current situation. And then that's going to constantly, I know that I'm forever evolving, especially because of the woman that I am and the way I drive myself in my life. Like, so this process of excellence is just going to continue to expand and to stretch me. And I love that. It's a process. Does your perception of excellence always stay the same on what it is? So like, whether it's work, working out, relationships, like, do you define it the same? I think it's more about who I am. Because who I am in every situation is going to be, there's like a through line, right? So who I am in my friendship to my friends and how I show up in my business, how I show up to train myself, like all of that, it's like, it's the same person, you know? Do you say, what does excellence look like? Like for instance, right? Yeah. In the gym, excellence looks like X, Y, and Z. Is mm-hmm. that how you do it? Or like being being a good friend, being a good friend or being an excellent friend yeah. looks like this. And that's what I'm going to strive for. Like, how do you actually break that down? Yeah. I mean, I feel that there are, um, and we kind of touched on this, we didn't go deep, but like just having certain personal standards that I certainly have for myself, you know, and within those personal standards lives this process of excellence. So I know just in this example, like I'm showing up here and I want to, I want to be the best conversationalist in this moment that I'm possibly capable of being all right. Well, what does that take? You know, like, right. right? It's like that whole, what if it is taken? So, you know, um, do, did I do the work to do that today? I absolutely did. And I can feel that I, I did my best. I showed up in my hundred. So the process was, it was an excellent process for me. And here's the thing, like if I fall short on some days and whatever that is, maybe I let a friend down. I mean, Literally, I was an excellent, I was supposed to text our girl yesterday and I misread a text and I did it. And then this morning I was like, ah! <laughs> and that was like, oh, especially our girl's a mommy and she had to adjust and it hurt me because, you know, I am someone who prides myself on being very, you know, just like on it, you know, but I wasn't, I, I failed in that moment. It wasn't an excellent moment, but it teaches me like, Hey, slow down because you overlooked that because you were moving too fast. And so it just, you know, there's always an opportunity to get better. That's what I was going to say. How do you give yourself grace then in that situation? Because if you're always striving for excellence, Mm -hmm. you're never always going to do it, right? We know that. Right. Just as humans, we're never always going to get there. So in those moments where you're striving for excellence, but you don't reach it. Yeah. How do you give yourself grace in those moments? I think there's, it's like a game of averages, right? So I know that as a, as a whole, like as an average, the, 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 the results that I produce and the way that I show up is at my very best, you know, but I also understand that I'm human and that mistakes will take place. And so, and, and I also know this, and this is just a deeper kind of level about the whole thing, but it's like, man, you know, I, my intentions are so like just powerful. Like I literally have powerful, strong, high intentions and I strive to live to them every day. And as an average, I am, Mm. but there's times where, you know, the human in me is going to not hit that mark, you know, and it's not, it doesn't serve me to not be compassionate. Compassion for me is what keeps me 
fluid and what keeps me malleable. And so I, it's what keeps me, I know we've talked about this before. It keeps me from not being fragile and I'm, I can just take the hit. Ooh, that didn't feel good and allow it to fortify me, which it is. Okay. Well, cool. How do I learn from that? How do I get better? You know? And so that, that whole process is an excellent process, right? So it's definitely not this perfect hitting the mark all the time, but it's also like when you fail, how did you fail? I mean, that goes back to so many of the amazing things we talked about. Like you get back up, you learn how to get better. (laughs) Girl, we are, we are cosmic sisters. I know we so are like, from it's the so very, dumb. very first moment I met you, I'm like, who is this freaking awesome chick? Like you had, I freaking love you. I love you too. And I'm just so grateful. I, listen, you know, I said this to you on the back end, but man, you have a soldier in your life who loves you, who is like, like when I hear about your book, like my mind is just like, how do I support her? How do I get Aww. her to that? Like, but it's like, it's primal, like it's natural for me, you know? And and I just, I just appreciate you so much. Obviously I feel very fortunate because you're my girl. So I have that personal it's relationship with you, but, but just really Lisa, like, man, everybody who listened to this talk or watched us, like there's no way that their vibration didn't go higher. Like there isn't something that you said here that resonated in some powerful way to support them. So you are an absolute contributor and I just, I'm honoring you for that. And I love you girl. And thank you for carving out time to be here. (laughs) Girl, anytime. Thank you so much for having me. And you know, anytime we want to pick up and do another one, (laughs) do it in a heartbeat. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I love you and everybody to stay tuned in to you. Instagram, best place would you say yeah Yeah. if you want to watch videos like this go to women of impact on youtube where we i had you on the seat on the hot seat go check out that episode that was freaking fire girl you know i love having you on um and people are freaking out over that episode by the way it is like gone viral it's huge so i'm so freaking proud of that one go check it out women of impact and then if you just want to follow me on a personal it's much more like behind the scenes of lisa doing lisa and that's on my instagram page yeah so good. Yeah. I love your stories. They're always so just motivating and positive and just, and real, you know, it's just, yeah, everybody needs to tune into you. I love you. Thank you so Me much too. to be continued. Hell yeah. yeah. All right, guys go crush it this year. Go crush it 21. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode, you guys. If you loved it, please share it on your social. Throw it up on your Instagram stories and tag me. I'm at Black Belt Beauty. I am also at Roxy Look, R-O-X-Y-L-O-O-K. I love connecting with you guys. This is a conversation that I want to just continue growing with you guys. So if you feel inspired to hit me up, do so in that space. I always enjoy hearing from you. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so by rating it and reviewing it via iTunes. It's such supportive help, you guys. It really helps the visibility of this podcast. So I appreciate and thank you in advance for doing that. And last but not least, if you are interested in starting your own podcast, or perhaps you already have one and you need help with you know editing your audio and the production of it, I cannot recommend my producers enough. 
Resonate recordings, you guys, they are the bomb. I rely on them. They are an absolute supportive tool to me and my podcast. So check them out and let them know that Black Belt Beauty sent you. And on that note, you guys, I'm signing off with all my love and always looking forward to catching you on the next. Oh, my God.